Amen. We uh, started last week uh, our series on the afterlife. And uh, today, last week, we looked at um, eternal realities, heaven and hell. And uh, we passed you out a little brochure. If you came in today and did not receive a uh, handout to fill in and you would like one, just lift your hand. The ushers will come quickly. And I see hands here, hands over there, hands here. Uh, right. So uh, ushers, if you would real quickly, uh, right over here, I see a hand. Uh, so give those, uh, make sure that everybody has a fill in the blank. And uh, so we talked about last week, heaven and hell. Uh, those are two real places. And uh, there's only one we want to go to. But today we're going to deal with the reality of death. Yeah, make sure you have... Uh-oh. Uh, they should not have part one. If you picked that up on the other side of the table, that was the wrong ones. Make sure yours says part two. Okay? It should say death. Part two. If anybody got part one that says eternal realities, you're going to be really lost. But I did leave, so I left those out on the back table for the purpose of if you're, if you miss a week, you can always pick that up and then watch online and, and, and fill that out. So you should have part two. Uh, but we're talking about today about death. My, my wife told me, she said, maybe you shouldn't have announced what you're preaching on because, you know, the crowd's kind of low today. I don't think anybody wanted to talk about death. Uh, but can I tell you, nobody is going to get out of this life alive. Unless we're here when the trumpet sounds and I'm believing uh, that could be any day. Uh, but, uh, I, we, we're, that's just part of reality. That's what we're going to talk about today. Does anyone know someone that died and came back to life? Do you? Well, I would like to introduce you to a young lady and she's going to take the first few minutes, uh, before I preach and just share uh, a testimony with you uh, that I think will be a blessing. Put your hands together and welcome Sister Diane Balch. Now, Sister Diane uh, broke her foot uh, a couple of weeks back, and so she's uh, in a boot, so I won't make her climb these stairs. But come come stand right on it. Come stand right here beside me. Uh, that way you're, 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 you're on camera. Everybody at home can watch you. So I want you to listen uh, to this testimony. It happened in September of 1984, and it began to happen. I was coming out of church, of all things. I began to choke, thought I was getting a sore throat. And before long, I realized it was a heart attack. But I'm a spirit-filled believer I trust in the Lord. And when you trust in the Lord, no matter what happens, you don't have to be afraid. But what happened was I knew there was something that told me that I knew I'd better pray. I told my husband, I said, honey, let's go pray. We shut the bedroom to his mother's bedroom I lifted my hands and I said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, fully expecting to wake up in heaven. But I didn't wake up in heaven. I went unconscious, only I didn't know that and nobody else knew it. My spirit person carried my body around. 
I was told later I became really white. On the way to the hospital, I told David, I'm going to die. He said, no, you're not. I had a vision of an unborn child. It meant I wasn't ready to be in heaven yet, but I didn't know that at the time. Then I felt myself being lifted up like a baby and, you know, like you pick up a baby. And I asked David later on, who picked me up? Thinking he did. He said, nobody I could see. I have my own ideas about that. I think it was a big old angel. Then I heard a male voice. It was the chaplain. He was the pastor of the church we'd go to when we were in Crockett, you know, out of town. And he happened to be the chaplain there at the county hospital. And he made war with the devil. It was no pretty thing. It was strong. And it was war. There was no doubting about that. And he told the devil where to get off. I had no idea at the time, but David was praying at the same time. While being told, no, she's fixing to die. She's fixing to die. David said he just kept praying, ignoring what his sister was telling him. You have to do that during those times. I woke up, and I saw this man bending over me. Now, remember, I didn't see anything at that time. And I saw this man bending over me. I didn't know who he was. I've never seen the man before in my life. He was an anesthesiologist, and I said, Sir, are you a Christian? Scared that man so bad he ran out of the emergency room. I found out later on he was really backslidden. And for a person that had already been dead for a while, they used the paddles on me three times. I have no awareness of that. You don't, time is nothing. You don't feel, you don't feel things that happen to your body. I asked the Lord later on, why didn't I see the glories of heaven? And he said, because I needed you to be on earth. And if you had seen the glories of heaven, you would have begged me and I would have let you stay. Then he gave me my two missions in life. And they are to get just as many people saved as possible and to tell people, just like I'm telling you today, what it feels like to die. The Lord has it all under control. The only one that needs to fear dying is the unsaved, and they really have plenty of reason to fear. I hope this helps somebody because our Lord doesn't want his children to have any kind of fear in their life. God isn't about that kind of fear. He has it all covered. Think about it. He has it all covered. So I hope I've helped somebody today, maybe even a couple of people. Thank you, and God bless. Amen.
just a second. How, how long, you were telling me earlier, how, how long did they say that you were dead for? Eight and a half minutes. And after three minutes, your brain det- uh, deteriorates. And they did test my brain. And God healed my brain. He kept me from having a deteriorated brain. Amen. Dead for eight and a half minutes, but the Lord said, I'm not done with you. Come on back. Amen. Thank you, Sister Diane. Amen. So now you can say, I know somebody who died and came back. So you know what? When the Lord's ready for you, um, you're going to go. But if he's not ready, you know, so many people have had different experiences and a lot of times people are afraid of death. But I want to just share with you a little bit about death today. And we're just going to look at the, uh, just, just some very basic things. But I just want you to, I want to take the fear out of death. Death, where's your sting? And, uh, but I, I tell you what, I do have to uh, share something. I have to correct myself because for all this time, I've told people that when you die, you can't take your stuff with you. But after a little research... I think you might can, uh, Rachel. Uh, I found this right here. Um, maybe you can. If <laughs> those of you watch it online, this is a hearse pulling a U-Haul. So uh, m- maybe you can take it with you. I'm not sure. So uh, if you're making your arrangements, maybe you just need to make them with U-Haul instead of the. Depending on your faith, how much, how big the trailer you need, uh, but. I kind of have a feeling that could only go as far as the gravesite. Probably couldn't go any further than there. But you know what? We all have a lot of questions about death. And the Bible talks so much uh, about heaven and about hell. And we talked about the realities of that yesterday. And the Bible talks a lot about triumph faith, which is what we talk about a lot. Faith, victorious faith. But I'm going to talk to you about transcending faith. Because really two-thirds of the time that the Bible is talking about faith, it's talking about a transcending faith. A faith that believes that there's something beyond what I can see. A faith that believes that I'm going somewhere when I die. A faith that believes in eternity. Most of the other kind of faith is an overcoming faith. Faith that I'm going to make it for tomorrow. Faith that I'm going to have enough money to pay my bills. Faith that I'm going to get through this sickness. That's triumph in faith. And we need that. But most of the time, he's talking about a transcending faith. It goes beyond this life. And it says, I believe that there's something bigger. I believe there's something better. And how we live here impacts... Where we're going there. Can I get an amen? So let's just uncover death a little bit. Let's look at number one. If you're filling in the blanks. We're all appointed to die. Did you know you have an appointment? And you can't cancel that appointment. You can't not show up for that appointment. And it doesn't matter. So many people live life fearful Of living, of having fun, of doing things. Because I'm afraid if I do that, I'll die. You're not going to die until it's your time to die. I've never worried about getting on a ship. I've never worried about getting on an airplane. I've never worried about going a hundred foot under the sea. Because I know that wherever I go, the Lord is with me. And when it's appointed for me to die, and whenever it's my time, I'm going to die. 
I can be safe and sound in my very nice recliner or in my bed or in my pickup truck or standing right here in the pulpit. That would be a wonderful way to go. It would just be a bad way to go for you guys. I don't worry. I'm not fearful about living life because I'm not afraid of death. I know it's appointed. I know death is just a doorway. It's just a door. You see, how many has ever been through a door? <laughs> how did you get here today? You walked in too. But let me ask you a question. Was anyone afraid of walking through that door? Did you know what was on the other side? You know, that, that's why years ago, those doors back there used to be solid and we couldn't see. And many times the door would open and I would just like, oh no, who's coming in? But I changed them and I put glass doors. That way I can see who's coming in. By faith, I can see through the door and I know for me what's on the other side. And if I know what's on the other side of the door, I'm not afraid to go through the door. But for those who don't know, or for those who know hell is on the other side of the door, they don't want to go. And I don't blame them. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27 and 28. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that judgment comes... So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all that eagerly are waiting on Him. Listen, if you accept Jesus, we talked about it last week, there's the reality of heaven and hell. But when we've made Jesus Lord of our life, when our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, we don't have to fear the doorway called death because we know heaven is awaiting on the other side. For the believer, heaven is better than life down here. For the believer, heaven is an upgrade. How many like to move from where you're at to a nicer place, a bigger place? Uh, so a lot of people say, but I want to move. I, you know, I want to be like uh, old George uh, Jefferson. I want to move on up. But instead of a apartment on the east side, I'm ready, amen, to get a home in heaven. Amen, I'm moving to a better place. I'm moving to a happier place. I'm moving to a glorious place. And I have no fear of going through the front door. Remember, heaven is about relationship. We said it last week, if you don't, if you don't like a very little, little, just a little bit of God here, you're not going to be very happy in heaven because it's a lot of God. It's a lot of worship. It's a lot of singing. It's a lot of celebration. Amen. You got to get, come on and get ready, get used to worshiping because heaven is going to be full of worship. Amen. Number two, death is a victory for the believer. Death is not defeat. Why is it that when we're, we're with people, we're with loved ones, we're with friends and someone dies, we're so sad. We, we feel so bad for them. They lost their battle. 
Oh, they passed. They died. I mean, we're, we're, we, it's, it's, and it is sad for us. But listen, for the believer, death is not defeat. Death is victory. Death is what we've been waiting on. We've been living our Serving Jesus to get to heaven. And then when somebody has an opportunity to get there, we don't want them to go. I mean, down here we look at people who work hard and build a career. And I mean, how, how selfish, how crazy would it be when they have the opportunity to get a promotion, to get a raise. And they come tell us about it. And we go, oh no, please don't do it. Come on, just stay in that old hard, meaningless job. Come on, just stay making barely enough money to be able to live. Come on, don't go in and be happy. Just stay here with me and be miserable. We would never do that, would we? We're excited when people get promotion. We're excited when they get raises. We're excited when they get a new car. We're excited when they get to move into a new house. I mean, when they do, we're excited for promotion. But when people die, we're so sad. But for the believer, death is victory. Death is happy. It's making that final uh, uh, preparation and that final uh, uh, leap of faith. To what we've always been believing. Look at Revelation chapter 21. Verse 3 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. He will be, they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He shall wipe away every tear from their eye. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. Can I tell you this morning, heaven is not Failure. Heaven. Going to heaven isn't failure. It's victory over death. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. This scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? For the believer, for the child of God, for those of us who our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life, we're excited to go through that door because we know on the other side is blessings, it's happiness, it's joy. Tears are wiped away. Pain and suffering is gone. Sickness is no more. Death is victory for the believer. 1 Corinthians 15. I just read it. Death, where's your sting? Well, I'll tell you where it's at. Have you been to a funeral? Have you had a loved one pass? Oh, for those of us on this side, there's a sting. There's a pain. There's a hurt. There's an emptiness. But we've got to focus on the other side. There's an artist that painted a picture. This photo is called First Day in Heaven. The song says, I can only imagine. You see, we're standing around 
the bed. I have been with I don't know how many. I, I, I can't even count the number of people that I've been beside the bed holding their hand as they took their last breath. And we sing and we worship and we release them in the presence of God and their body is laying there. It's just a temple. You see, have you ever thought about it before? When that person is laying there in the hospital, they call them by name. But the moment their breath is taken, they call the morgue, the mortuary, and they don't say, come pick up, and they name the name. They say, come pick up the body. Why? Because it's just a body. The person's no longer there. The soul and the spirit have left. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that moment that we're all sad and weeping and crying, that person is leaping into the arms of Jesus and he is wiping away their tears and he has taken the pain that they had to go through with death. Whatever brought them to that point, that suffering, that pain, that anguish, that accident, whatever it was that they had to go through has wiped away. Can I tell you? They would not trade places with you. They wouldn't come back. He just said, Sister Diane said, Lord, why didn't you show me your glory? He said, because you'd have wanted to stay. And did you know? I want you to think about this. We talked about, we talked about last week our will. You have a will. That's why God doesn't force us to have a relationship with Him. He invites us. And I think once we got to heaven and we say, Lord, I don't want to go back. Do you think he would honor our will? It wouldn't say, oh, but listen, your family back there, they're they're crying and they're sad. So for their sake, I'm just going to send you on back to live in that sick, suffering body again. Now, now, when you've experienced the glory and the presence of God and your suffering has ended and your pain is no more and your tears have been wiped away, you're not going to want to come back. You see, we, we, we want our loved ones to come back for our benefit, not for theirs. I would not in the million years bring my mama or my daddy back into their bodies that they were, that were suffered and, and, and older and de- degenerating and cancer-filled and, and, and tumors. And wh- Why in the world would I want to bring them back to that when they have a new body? Amen. They've got a new life. Amen. They're regenerated. They've got a glorified body. Amen. They're perfect and they don't have any concept of time. They don't know that they've been gone but just for a moment. Even though for me it's been years. I wouldn't want to bring them back. Death stings for the survivor. It's painful for those that remain. And grief, number three. Grief is the price of love for those who remain. It's hard to lose a loved one. And that grief remains with us. God's grace is faithful and we can carry on and we move on. And, and, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But it's, it's grief. But you know, Jesus understands. He said he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He stood at the grave of his friend that he loved. And the Bible says 
Jesus wept. So it's okay to cry. It's okay to have those tears, but we don't enter down into a depression. I mean, we've got to rise back up and we've got to go back to the land of the living. And we've got to begin to make our life count for something. Because one day we're going to go through that same door that they've gone through. Our hearts ache because of love. We love our loved ones. And in the midst of death, we've got to decide You've got to decide in the midst of death of a friend, of a loved one, of a co-worker, of a child, of, uh, uh, of a spouse. You've got to decide. Am I going to run away from my faith? Am I going to blame God, the only one who really understands how you feel and what you're going through? Or are you going to run to your faith? Oh, thank God for that triumph faith. Thank God for that faith that says, hey, I can keep going. Thank God for that faith that says I'm able to make it tomorrow. I'm able to get up. But I'm telling you, I got. I want a transcending faith that says there's more to life than this. And where my loved one is gone. Amen. When David's child died for days when he was sick, he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't sleep. He wouldn't go worship. He fasted and he prayed. And then when the child died, they were afraid to tell him. How's he going to act now? And finally, someone said, the child has died. David got up, he washed his face, he ate, and he went to worship. And they said, we don't understand. And David said, as long as the child was there, there was hope. And I was able, I was praying for a change and for different. But now that the child has died, the child can't come to me. But I can go to the child. We all, we have a transcending faith that one day we're going to be reunited with our loved ones. Don't, don't I, I hear it all the time. I've probably said it all the time. But when, when, when you have, when someone suffers loss and they suffer death, unless, you, unless you've experienced that same thing, it's better not to say, I understand, I know what you're going through. I, I can say I understand what it's like to lose a grandmother. I can say I understand what it's like to lose a mother and a father. I can't say... I know what it's like to lose a child, what it's like to lose a spouse, what it's like to lose a sibling. I haven't experienced those. And so the best thing to do is just sit down with them and cry with them. Just be there. Let your presence just minister to them. Pray for them. Take them some chicken. Listen, there's not a lot we can do except just be there with our friends and family are going through grief. But we've got to help them to understand, amen, to step into a transcending faith. And let's not just worry uh, about what happened. Let's think about where they are. That faith will get us through because unless we walk that same path, and there's many of those I hope I never experience. Number four. Death is simply a change of address. Has anyone ever moved? So you, you, when you, you move, you, you go to the post office and you give a forwarding address. Here's where I'm going to go. And, you know, has anybody ever had a neighbor move or a friend or family member move? And, you know, you didn't go stand in front of their house and weep and cry. <laughs> They're gone. They're gone. 
No, because they haven't gone. They just changed addresses. You can still see them. You can still write them a letter. You can still call them on the phone. You can still go visit them. Listen, death is just a change of address. That person is just as alive and well and probably better than they were when they were here. And as believers, we're going to see them again. You see, we're spirit beings. We're eternal. We live forever somewhere. But as believers, we're believing that we go to heaven and our family members, they're there. They're waiting on us. They're they're joining that part. The Bible says a great cloud of witnesses that are encouraging us to move forward. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith. Not by sight. That's a transcending faith. We're confident, I say. I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him. Whether we're here at home, in the body, or away from it. Listen, you need to come to the place in your life to where you're so confident in your relation with God that just like Paul, you can say, whether I'm in the body or whether I'm away from it. That's a nice way of saying, I'm dead. I died. That's a nice way to say it, isn't it? I'm not at home in my body. (laughs) You need to be so confident to be able to say whether I'm at home or whether I'm not. I mean, there's many times. Now, as a child, um, (laughs) as a child, you ever come home from school or come home and the house is empty? And you can't find anybody? Oh, dear Lord Jesus, you thought the rapture took place. Jesus had come. You've been left behind. I mean, you're running around. You're freaking out. And until you find Mama just walked to the backyard. Or, you know, you're just scared to death. That's not a good feeling. But listen. When you're so confident in your relationship to God that you say whether I'm at home in the body or whether I'm not, I just seek To please Him. I just want to do what's right. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me, Jesus said. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Oh, can I just, can can, can we just stop for a second and just think? What is the condition of your home now for some of you they're just doing the dirt work for some of you they're just framing for some of you they're putting a roof on there's others of you they're laying the carpet for some of you they're painting but for some of you Jesus is walking through giving it the final inspection Checking off. That's everything they want. You see, He knows your heart. He knows your heart's desire. And your home will be everything that you've ever wanted it to be. And when He gets it ready, when He gets it prepared, and when He goes through and says, yep, that's it. He's coming to get you. And it doesn't matter if you want to go, if you're ready or not, because it is appointed. 
And when your home is ready, he said, I will come and get you. So you will be always with me where I am. And you know the way and where I'm going. Jesus went on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Listen to me. Heaven is a wonderful place. And he's preparing it for you. And when your place is ready, he's coming back to get you. So you know what? The next time someone dies, the next time a loved one dies, listen, let's begin to think their home was ready. Everything that their hearts desired, God had it prepared. And he was ready for them. And if we could picture what's happening, and I know as the song says, I can only imagine. We have a few little glimpses through the scripture, but we can never really truly understand until we get there. But it's going to be wonderful. Can I get an amen? Number five. We will all face judgment. Now, when I said that word, some of you went, (gasps) but others went, yes, I'm ready. Bring it on. Why? Because you know the reality. As you understand, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You understand, last week we talked about the the, the great white throne judgment and when men stand before God and they're judged according to their wicked deeds. and, And he says, depart from me, I never knew you, and cast them into hell. But listen, for the believer, for the child of God who has made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, who their names are written in the Lamb's book of life, our sins have been forgiven. We will not be judged according to our sins. Because they're forgiven. But we will be judged according to our deeds here on earth. Two facets. We understand, Roman, we, we talked about last week, Romans twenty fifteen, our revelation. Anyone whose name is not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's not what we want. We don't want to spend eternity in hell. We don't want to get to heaven, stand before God, and Him say, your name is not there. And then... Their bad deeds are going to be judged and their punishment in hell will be meted out. Even in punishment, God is just. But then we stand before God. Blood washed, cleansed from all iniquity, name written in the Lamb's book of life, and we stand before God to be judged According to what we did in this life for Christ. For our rewards. You see, judgment for our works and for our deeds here on earth. And we're all judged according to our deeds. Uh, But Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 21 says, Don't store yourself up treasure on earth where moss and rust doth eat through and destroy them. Thieves break through to steal. Store your treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Listen, there's so many people who all their desires are here on earth and that's where their treasure's at. 
But there's many for those who love Jesus, who are called according to his purpose, that know that, listen, my good deeds can't get me to heaven, but my good deeds will be rewarded in heaven. Listen, we're out to do some good deeds. Not trying to earn our way into heaven, because we know we can't. We only get to heaven through the blood of Jesus, through salvation. But once we're born again and we're saved, we're doing everything we can do to love people, to serve people, to give. The Bible says, if you give a cup of cold water, you'll receive a reward. Can I tell you? Every mile you drive to come to church, it's documented. Every person that you've ever brought, every time you've ever kept the nursery... Every diaper you've ever changed. Every Sunday school class you ever taught. Every teenager you ever encouraged. Every sponsor, every time you went to camp as a sponsor. Everything that you've done. It might have been hard and maybe you, you didn't, you just barely made it through it. But I'm telling you, God is watching everything we do and He keeps perfect records and He saw you hand that dollar out the window to that person that was hungry. You know, it didn't matter what they did with it. What mattered is you gave it and it was counted unto you for righteousness sake and you will be rewarded for it. You see, but our deeds don't gain us access into heaven, but they do determine our rewards in heaven. So here's the deal. If we're going to heaven, how many is going to heaven? Yeah, we, we, we know Jesus is our Savior. We're, we're going to heaven. We have confidence. But if we're going to go, man, once we get there, don't we want some rewards? Don't we want to enjoy? Listen, I took the, 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 the boys of that. The ladies had a ladies meeting and I, I kept two of my nephews and uh, we took all three of them over to uh, Mr. Gaddy's. And we ate some pizza, and then I got them cards, and, you know, everything's going to that now. You had to get them cards, and they walked around, and, I mean, listen, Josiah's, how old is Josiah? Five? I mean, he had that card. He walked over those games. He swapped that card. <laughs> he was playing. I didn't even know how to work it. I've been teaching these kids early how to swap a credit card. Man. And you know what we did? We swapped and we played and we swapped and we played and we swapped and we played and we swapped and we played. And And then one time we swapped and nothing happened. It was empty. Then we went to the counter and the lady ran the car because every time, every game you played, depending on how good you did, it gave you credits. And then when we got to the counter, we got, she told us how many credits we had. And then we looked at all the toys and he said, I want that. And I said, I'm sorry, you don't have enough credits for that. There's some of you going to get to heaven and you're going to go, I want that. And he's going to go, I'm sorry, you don't have enough credits for that. I want that crown. Sorry. You get this paper hat. Because you only get what credits you have Racked up. Now listen, even the paper hats in heaven are good. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 11 says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, 
wood, hay, or stubble. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders will be saved, but like everyone, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So, the foundation is salvation is Jesus. Once you accept Him and your Lord and Savior, I mean, you're born again, you're on your way to heaven, your name is in the Lamb's book of life, but now I've got the foundation, but what kind of building am I going to build? So people begin to build. Some are, some are grand, some are gorgeous, some are beautiful. Others are just small and they, they, they look very meek. There's some in Hollywood that are amazing. But then you look through the door and realize it's just a facade. There's nothing on the backside. There's a lot of people who are building all these things and we're going to stand before God and we're going to go, wow, look at their building. And God says, okay, time to put the fire to it. You see, the things we do out of purity, out of love, out of a pure heart, all those things, that's what we're building with gold. What happens when you put gold in the fire? Purifies. Silver purifies. Jewels, it withstands the test of time. What happens when you put fire to wood, hay, and stubble? All the stuff we did. Whew, you came to church. Ding, reward. Oh, wait a minute. You came to church only to see that girl. Eh. You came to church. Whoa, ding. No, your wife made you. Eh. See, I don't know that. I don't know why you're here today. I don't know if today counts for you. I don't know if you get credit for today or not. Only God knows why you're here. If you're here truly because you love Him, or if you just came to check it off your list. But here's the deal. God knows it all. He knows every motive. And the thing that you build, if you built it out of wood, hay, and stubble, if you built it out of flesh, if you built it just out of pride, if you built it to be seen of other people, or if you truly did it because you love Jesus, that's going to stay, the other's going to burn up, and then you're going to be rewarded on what's left. Fifty-two years I've been working to build my reward in heaven. I, I don't know. Here's what mine looks like. This is kind of right here. Uh, what my rewards. I, I'm building a pretty good little stockpile there. You say, but pastor, is it empty? I, I, let's take a look inside. What's all in there? Let's, let's, let's see here. Um, is it wood? Is it hay? Is it stubble? Oh, hey, it's gold. Woo. If only that was true. Did you know I have come to church sometime before and even got up here and preached and didn't really want to? Those days might not count. I've helped people before that I didn't really want to. I just did it. But then there's other people I really wanted to. And I didn't do it to be seen. You see? We look at people and go, wow, look what all they've built. 
But what's going to happen when he puts the fire to it? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have these big people that were big out in the world. I mean, they, they had big ministries, big ever, whatever. And we go, wow, they must be a super Christian. And we get to heaven, all their works are burned up. And then we got grandma, got a crown. She can't hardly hold it up. Because she has been faithful, came to church every week, prayed every day, read her Bible, amen, taught her grandkids about Jesus. Everything she did was out of a pure heart and a love for God, and she got rewarded for all of it. When people who just did it to be seen, they're rewarded. They didn't mean they go to hell, they're still saved. He said the builder is saved, but their works are burned up. Come on, let's, let's, let's make sure what we're doing lasts. Number six. We're getting ready. We're closing it up. There are some questions that we will never answer on this side of heaven. Why did my my daddy have to die of lymphoma? He really didn't die of lymphoma. He really died of gumbo. (laughs) He ate some bad gumbo. That's not even why he died. He, he went to the hospital. He got over that. He was fine. The doctor said, it was Friday. The doctor said, uh, you're going to go to rehab on Monday. Get a little week, get your strength back, go home. We said, praise the Lord. We all went home. Mama called me and said, you get back up here. Daddy says he's dying. Mama said, daddy was laying over in the bed. She was sitting over in the chair. He looked at her and smiled and waved. She said, where are you going? He said, heaven. I got up there and I said, Dad, why are you saying you're dying? He said, because I am. They put an oxygen mask on him. They got his medicine, everything. They came in that night to give his medicine. He said, I don't need it. They walked out of the room. He called me over there. He said, take this mask off. I don't need it. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure. I'm going to heaven. You see, we couldn't even pray for healing. Because Daddy said, I'm going to heaven. He was excited about going to heaven. And then he woke up the next morning and said, it's hard to die. (laughs) But he got to go to heaven that night. And it it was hard. I mean, even though we, we miss him and we were sad, he was so excited about going to heaven. We could only be excited with him. Why did my mom have to have cancer? Why did she have to have those surgeries? Why, why, why did you, when she was praying and believing for healing, why did she die? I don't know. Why does those innocent children have to die? Why, why, why does that thing happen to family? Why does that accident take that, that life so young? I don't know. I do know this. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may know and follow all the words of this law. Listen, I don't know everything. Some things are secrets that only the Lord knows. So what I've got to do, I can't get caught up in the questions that I'll never understand. I can't ask questions that I may not like to answer to anyway. Even if he told me. Sometimes we wrestle too much. If you're writing this down, I want you to write it all in capital letters. Sometimes we wrestle too much over why. 
they died. Rather than rejoicing in where they've gone. I can tell you this morning, I don't know why your loved one passed. I don't know why that tragic accident happened. I don't know. Some things are secret and they belong to the Lord. The Lord knows everything. And we might, people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask. And I, I say that sometime. And then I realize when I get to heaven, the answer won't matter. Because we'll be in heaven. And it won't matter anymore. Everyone has questions, but don't allow your questions to become bigger than your faith. So many times people wrestle with their questions so much that they lose faith in God. They blame God. They Listen, sometimes what God is doing, we've told you the story many times. Amy just told it not long ago on a Wednesday night about our son Jacob. And, and we're on our way to preach in Dallas and stop for a, a, a baby shower. And she goes into premature labor and we don't understand. And it's the devil and we're rebuking the devil. And they come to the hospital and they send us to Dallas. And we don't understand why this thing is happening to us. I mean, no, it's not fair. And it's, it's the devil. And, no. and, and then Jacob is born and his umbilical cord is in a knot. And the doctor said if he had gone full term, that knot could have tightened up and he could have died. And all of a sudden we go, wait a minute. It wasn't the devil. It was the Lord. He knows better than we do. He is in control. He does know what's happening in the future. He does know me in my mother's womb. And He's called me and formed me. And He loves me. And He knows my beginning from my end. And He knows when I'm going to be born. And He knows when I'm going to die. And He knows everything in between. And He's preparing a place for me. And all I need to do is make sure I'm building on a foundation of Jesus. And I'm doing it right so that I can receive some rewards. I don't have all the answers. I just know that my mama and my daddy and my granny are with Jesus and one day I'm going to see them and I'm going to get to spend eternity with them and it's going to be wonderful. And this time of separation has not been easy. It's hard when we lose our loved ones and there's times we miss them. There's times we want to ask them a question and there, there's times you're like, man, I would, I would love to take them to the doctor again or love to take them fishing again. or what. But you know what? We wouldn't bring them. I wouldn't bring my mom and daddy back to the craziness that's happening in this world for nothing in the whole world. Because they've made it to their reward. And I'm on my way. So. If I die. Me and my wife. We, we have these conversations. Don't put me on no life support. Don't put me no, you know, no nursing home on life support to live as a vegetable. Don't get around my bed. And, and pray and rebuke the devil. And ask the Lord to bring me back. If I make it to heaven. Let me stay. I've got insurance. She's going to live well. Her and her new husband going to be just fine. If I make it to the streets of gold, don't bring me back to this asphalt. 
Get here in this church, shout, rejoice, play some fast songs. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you're going to cry, cry. It's okay. We miss our loved ones. But talk about where I'm at. Not how I died. And if I die, I hope it's something fun. Not just boring. That's why I ride motorcycles. I, it could be that way. I, 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 I scuba dive. I don't know. Maybe a shark will eat me. I don't know. But you know what? When I get to heaven, I'll have a story to tell. How'd you die? Well, I was sitting on my couch. Yeah, I was a hundred foot down and a shark ate me. Gotcha. No, I don't. Listen, I don't just want to die. I'm, I, li- I do everything I do. I, I try to do as safely as possible. But I do know this: when it becomes, when it comes my time, when my home is finished, I'm going, and I'm ready. And I've been building some stuff down here. I've been putting some treasures up in heaven. I've been trying to do some stuff because I love Jesus and I love people. And hopefully, now, believe me, there's a whole bunch of my stuff going to burn up. I'm going to have a bonfire bigger than this church. Because I know I've got some fluff and some stuff that needs to be burned away. And so I said, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to get to heaven. Everybody's going to know my little secrets. It's going to burn up. Nobody's going to know nothing but, whoo, look at that wood, hay, and stubble burn. But they're not going to be worried about it because they're going to have a bonfire big as yours. All of our mess, all of our garbage, all of our junk, amen, is going to be burned up in the fire of the Holy Ghost. And just the left, the purity is going to be remaining. We're going to get rewarded for it, but there's going to be no jealousy because it's heaven. So I'm not going to get to look at your crown and go, George's crown's bigger than my crown. That ain't fair. No, there's no jealousy there. I'm going to say, Brother George, praise the Lord. I look at that. Oh, I love that. That's shiny. Then there's going to be people walking around with that martyr's crown. They can have it. I'm going to honor them. I don't want it. But the world keeps going the way it's going. We might get it. There are people right now today that will die for the cause of Christ. And if they die for Jesus, the Bible says they'll be rewarded with a martyr's crown. Nothing you do here is missed. But make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Make sure that you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life. If you have, you have no reason to fear death. Death for the saint is just an address change. It's a doorway. And when you know what's on the other side of the door. And you know what? I can remember. I can remember coming home from college. One time I came home and I was going to try to surprise my mama. But I never could because she knew my knock. Listen. I knock on that door hard and fast. I was never afraid about who was going to open the door. Because I knew mama lived on the other side. Listen, I'm not afraid to go to heaven because I know Jesus is on the other side. And I've got a lot of loved ones on the other side that are going to be there to celebrate and to see me. And I want to jump into Jesus' arms and say, thank you for dying for me. If you're afraid of death today, 
If you don't know where you're going to go, if you don't know what's on the other side of that door, if you're here in this building, if you're watching me online, don't waste your life. Don't fear death. Don't live afraid. Build something here on this earth that will reward you eternally. If you're here today, you're afraid of death because you don't know what's on the other side of the door. You're not sure if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Would you pray with me? Would you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Will you confess your sins and ask Him to forgive you? And start building something that will last forever. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you pray with me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I was born. I'm alive. But one day I'm going to die. But where I go, I need to make sure today. I can't get to heaven on my good works. I can only get to heaven through Jesus Christ. So Jesus, today I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross. You resurrected on the third day. You went back to heaven. You're preparing a place for me. And you're coming again. I'm just not sure when you're coming for me. So today, I want to make sure I'm ready. I confess all of my sins. Every word, every deed, every thought. And I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. With your precious blood. Now Jesus. Write my name. In your book. Seal my name. For eternity. You said no man can pluck me out of your hand. So today. My name is written. And I'm going to live my life from this moment on. To do good. To love. To serve. To be faithful. To tell others about your grace and your love. And thank you for all the rewards I'll receive. But thank you for your grace that gave me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody just clap for joy. Somebody get excited. Somebody get happy. Hallelujah.